If you were here on Wednesday night, you heard also that this is a, a year of Sabbath that we are recognizing uh, as a church. This is our seventh year, technically started in September um, with our anniversary, but we're recognizing 2023 as our seventh year. And the Bible talks a lot about Sabbath. Uh, we were uh, traveling home from a retreat uh, from a conference in September, and uh, during that week, the Lord uh, met uh, those of us who uh, were a part of that in a very special way. Um, one of the things that I left with was not recognizing Sabbath like we are commanded to do. And um, while I, I don't uh, believe there's... Uh, a lot of repentance involved in that statement. I do believe that the Lord spoke very clearly to us and, and our, our job at this point is to obey him. And so, um, you know, as a bivocational church, one of the struggles that we have is, um, is, is recognizing Sabbath. Uh, most churches that have full-time ministers, um, you know, they take Monday off or they take Thursday off or whatever, and, and that's their Sabbath because for those of us that are part of, uh, of the leadership of this church, um, Sunday's work day for us, and um, that's uh, just the way it is. And so uh, I personally have had the luxury in my job of taking Thursdays off, and I have done that since September of 2016, but uh, just in, in recognition that our staff needs that, um, and recognizing that um, this is the Lord's church and what he wants to do is what we want to do. And uh, if you were here in September, I, I preached a message on uh, being in the presence, lingering in the presence of God in the tent outside of the camp. And um, it was, that was fed out of that, that conference weekend and... Um, the commissioning, the final point in that was the commissioning of Joshua came in the tent. And um, that spoke very clearly to me uh, that weekend that uh, we're going to re just remove things from our calendar this yeah. year. Uh, we will not be doing our men's rally or women's rally. Um, we will continue with four ministries that I know that the Lord has um, uh, on our calendar for a specific reason, the Women's Conference, um, Pack the Pack, the Back to School Rally, and 1031 Party. But aside from the Women's Conference Saturday and Pack the Pack, which is a Saturday event, uh, the building will be closed. We will not be doing any ministry on Saturday. Our staff has... Uh, is uh, directed um, to take Saturday as a Sabbath. We won't do men's group on Saturday morning or, or we won't be doing women's uh, group in, in seasons on Monday nights. So all of the things that were part of our typical church calendar through the year, um, I believe the Lord said, why don't you recognize this year as a year to give the land a Sabbath? And so that's what we're doing. And we've already had to uh, say no to a couple of uh, requests for using the building on Saturday. Um, and, and so 
I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with those individuals before bringing it to the church. But just so you know, this is, uh, this is our opportunity. We'll be doing church on Sunday and Wednesday like we always do. Uh, uh, but aside from that and those four specific events, uh, we're going to let the Lord decide what to put back on our calendar. The commissioning will come, and we want to be in the presence of God this year. Uh, one of the most important things that we do as a body is fast and pray. So this morning, uh, I want to share with you um, about fasting. I have some personal stories that, uh, that where God has, has changed my life through this. This has become part of our um, walk with the Lord is a consistent uh, habit of fasting and prayer. Paul wraps up his second letter to Timothy, the last letter actually that we have recorded from the Apostle Paul with this charge. He says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Sounds a lot like our culture today, doesn't it? But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Put it to you this way. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge the duties of your ministry. Fulfill, carry out, fully carry out. That's the command. That's our command as a church. Year in and year out, month in, month out, week in, week out, as a church, that's our command. And not just to me and, and the leadership of this church, but I would say if you, if you are a, a part of, if you call Mill City Church your home, this is your command. And I think about what God has done over the seven years, and it's really been amazing. Just a show of hands, I love to see this. How, how many have been with us since 2015, the, the back half of the year? That's amazing. Praise God for that. Um, how many since 2016? Keep your hands up, uh, 2015, 2016. Hasn't it been amazing to watch what God has done in this church? The lives changed. Um, people who have come back to the Lord, people who have found the Lord for the first time. The baptisms on, on Vision Sunday, we will report to you. 
how many baptisms we've had just last year. I like to stretch that out and look. I mean, we, we've probably baptized more than 500 people in our seven years. That's amazing. And it's, it's hard to know what do you call salvations. I don't know, but I keep track of baptisms because that's a public profession of faith. That's a step of obedience. That's when people are saying, I identify with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior, and I'm willing to obey him. And, and that's amazing to see. And, and last year, we saw uh, discipleship take off. Our, our, uh, we have... Um, over a hundred people now being being discipled one on one in this church that were not being with any degree of of consistency uh, of just one year ago. God's doing amazing things, and we cannot take it for granted. And one of the most important things that we do as a church is fast and pray. Now there are some things Jesus said that will only come through prayer and fasting. There are some things, let me put it to you this way, there are some things that God wants to do in your life. There are some things that God wants to do in my life, in, in the life of this church, that are not going to happen unless we are willing to say, God, I am willing to go through the discomfort, the inconvenience, the struggle, the aches and pains of fasting. God, I would rather go through all of that and see you work and have more of you. And when you get to that place in your walk with the Lord, God honors that. Now, I'm talking about fasting with prayer, okay? And there are three types of fast. There's an absolute fast. That would be no water or food. Uh, I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on TV, but... I have heard it said that you could go about three days um, max without any kind of activity. There's the normal fast, which would be liquids only. And you use that time that you would be eating to call on God. And then there's the partial fast. And, and we see that in uh, the book of Daniel. That's one of the most popular, if not the most popular fasts, if you will, partial fasts. We find that in Daniel chapter 1, where he eats only vegetables. Again, in chapter 10, we'll see that in a few minutes. You're giving up certain things. John Wesley did this by eating only bread and drinking only water. Jesus assumes that we will fast. In Mark chapter 2, he says, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot as long as they have him with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. It's an assumption that part of your walk with the Lord will be an exercise uh, of fasting with prayer. So it's not if, it's when. I would categorize this as one of the uh, areas where the, the church of today, the, the church culture today, uh, has dropped the ball like, like baptism, just not teach on it. So it's, it's not taught on, you just don't know about it. And then you might listen to this and say, well, you know, I've got medical issues, and that may be the case. Um, so you need to know yourself, and you need to use good judgment. 
But the truth is, the truth is most people can do a normal fast for a short period of time. Um, what happens is people have a tendency to fall into what Matthew Henry calls king's stomach. Your stomach is the king. And um, your stomach determines what you're going to do. Uh, did you know that you can literally eat yourself out of God's will? And you might say, well, wait a second. Well, how do you say that? Well, I, I can tell you. Um, Genesis chapter 3. First human beings ate themselves right out of the will of God. It's the food, the fruit. It looked, it was pleasing to the eye, and, and it, was, it was good for knowledge and wisdom. And so she took it, and she gave it to her husband, and they both ate it. And, and uh, that's, that's a problem that we face ourselves. Uh, just a few chapters down the road, we see something similar. You probably remember the story of Jacob and Esau. And you know, we all know the one, the, the story of how, how Jacob steals the blessing. But there's another story in there about how, how Jacob steals the birthright. And, and Esau's coming off of the, off of the hunt and, and he's famished. And, he, and Jacob is, is making a stew and, and Esau smells it. And he says, give me a bowl of that. And, and Jacob says, well, first you've got to give me your birthright. And I love how Esau responds. It, it's so spiritually dynamic. What good is my birthright if I die? I'm dying from hunger. That's how we get to sometimes. Hebrews chapter 12 actually talks about that. In verse 16, it says, See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights. You can eat yourself out of God's will. There are some things that God wants to do in your life, I believe. Some things God wants to do in this church. Answers to prayer. Miracles, breakthroughs, relational, um, family, business, personal. And if we don't fast, then we won't see them. And you need to decide that you're not going to give in to King's stomach. And Leviticus chapter 23 refers to it as afflicting yourself. I'm going to afflict myself. You'll get a headache, you'll get a stomach ache. Why? Because you're afflicting yourself for a higher spiritual purpose. Can you imagine getting to heaven and having a conversation with the Lord and him say, you know, you were just a little too hungry. I wanted to do this, but, but you wouldn't stop. You couldn't get a hold of your appetite. Every season is important at Mill City Church. But culturally, we have a kind of a reset point. It's a new year. It's a new year. 
And I believe God wants to do a new thing in every single one of us, and we need to be prepared for that. So today, for the rest of the time, I want to share with you eight benefits that I believe you can expect, one or more, if not all. And I believe you'll identify. Uh, My prayer is that every single one of us will identify with several of these. And you may be walking into a season right now where you need that. I know we need it as a church. And the first is this, to understand the will of God. In Acts chapter 13, uh, this is the church in Antioch. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, some of you are facing a, a crossroads. Some of you are going to make a decision this year. You may be in the midst of making a decision even right now, and you need to know the the direction of the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He did that here. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel Mourned for three weeks, it says. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all during the three weeks. Daniel needed to know the will of the Lord. He needed to know the direction of the Lord. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Do not be afraid. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. When you get to that place where you're willing to say, God, I I want more of you. I'm willing to go through this because I want to hear from you. I'm willing to set aside myself and my desires and the things in my life that are meaningful to me. I'm willing to do that so that I can hear from you and get direction from you. God honors that. He answers in that way. Who benefits from fasting? Well, the church benefits from fasting when the leaders, and I believe even more, when the body together fasts and prays. Families benefit when moms and dads and husbands and wives fast and pray. Businesses benefit when leaders and employees agree to fast and pray. Why? Because we're separating ourselves from the things of this world, the luxuries of life, and we concentrate purposefully, intentionally, on walking in the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. We can better know the will of God. Call it divine direction. You need direction. Every single one of us needs direction every single day. This is an amazing opportunity that we have. What's the alternative? We operate in the flesh. I want to operate in the Spirit. And so I fast and I pray in seasons of my life. There's a second benefit. When you fast, you can cultivate God's favor in your life. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. Do you realize that your manager is subject to the will of God? Your coworkers. The relationships that you have in your life, God has the power to shift their heart, just like he does water, streams of water. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2, Nehemiah is, is, um, 
finds out about the destruction of his homeland in, in uh, Israel. Jerusalem has been destroyed. It breaks his heart. And for a season, his studies would, would show that this is literally months of a season of mourning. He sat down and wept and mourned and fast and prayed before the God of heaven. In chapter 2, he gets a direction from the Lord. He says, go to the king and ask him to send you back to the land and to send people with you to rebuild the city and to pay for it. And here's Nehemiah. This is a big deal. This is an impossibility. And this city, Jerusalem, was in a, in a place, a crossroads, where, where there was all kinds of attack going on, all kinds of battles going on. This was a strategic land to this kingdom that, in a man's eyes, should not have been rebuilt. <clears throat> and so Nehemiah goes to the king. The king says, what is it that you want? It's one of the only times, only one that I'm aware of where praying in your heart silently uh, is in the Bible. Usually we're crying out to God, but not here. Can you imagine? He's going to the king. He's going to ask for a big deal. The king says, what do you want? And he says, oh, Lord God, help me in this moment. I want you to send me back. I want you to send people with me. I want you to pay for it. And the king says, Okay. In 2008, I was, uh, had just finished my third year at the bank that I went down to uh, work at, and um, the bank was in, in some pro financial problems, as most banks were in that season, and uh, the bank ended up going for sale. The founding president was terminated. They replaced him with a new president, and, uh, and I was... I'm in the stock market business, and so if you, if you were an investor at that time, you remember it wasn't one of the greatest times in the world for the stock market, and so I was kind of a liability as well, and, and I had been offered a position somewhere else, but my dad was one of the directors of this bank, and so it was a, it was a, tough, it was a tough ask, it was a tough deal, and um, I was directed to this story. And I had fasted and prayed and had this meeting with the bank president, and I was going to ask him to release me. And I was the only licensed advisor there, and so if he was going to release me, logic would say all of my clients were going to go with me. And so this arm of the bank was no longer going to be an arm. That was a tough ask. And I did not know this man um, and so I went into this meeting, I was prayed up, but I'm trying to build this case. You know, I'm a sales guy, and so I'm trying to give the backstory and get, get everything. He finally stopped me. He literally said, Steve, what is it that you want? I said, well, I would like for you to release me. And he said, well, that's what we'll do. I said, well, now you know all my clients are going with me. And he said... I would expect that. And that was it. And nine days later, I was gone. And six weeks after that, I was in my new position and 
and God's hand was all over that. It, it so impacted my life and my confidence in the Lord directing my life. There's a third benefit. It prepares us for new ministry. This isn't new. Moses received the law. Before that, he fasted for 40 days. Before Jesus entered the ministry, he fasted for 40 days. The Apostle Paul, before he started his ministry, he begins with a fast in Acts chapter 9. Then we just saw in Acts chapter 12 and various other times, he fasts. And it's part of his walk with the Lord. As we walk into a new calendar year and a new year of ministry, every year, if you've been a part of this church, every year, you know we take time and fast and pray as a body. Um, now is that time. We need God's insight. We need his wisdom. We need his direction. We need his preparation because we don't know what we're going to be facing this year. You have no idea what you will be facing this year. Three years ago, I stood up here expecting the, the year was going to be this. And in three months, everything was shut down. I remember planning for Easter and I was telling Eric, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. We'll be back open at Easter. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. I did not know three years ago that six weeks from that day, I would lose my dad. I did not know two years ago that in eight and a half months, we would lose my wife's dad. Nobody plans a car crash. Nobody plans a divorce. Nobody plans an illness. Listen, we will face things this year that we have no idea, and we need to be spiritually built up. Fasting and prayer prepares us. For new seasons. Fourth, it humbles our soul. Fasting humbles us. It, it acknowledges God's place and our place. There's some things, God, how about this? All things are out of my control. I have no control of my life. I may think it sometimes. I may act like it sometimes, but the truth is I have no control over what happens to me. And neither do you. And you need God. All of us need God. And fasting is like a physical way of recognizing that. God, there are some things in my life that are not what they ought to be. There are some things, God, that I need to surrender to you. And that humility is critical in your walk with the Lord. Fasting is a way to humble your soul. And if there are things that are not right in your life, then you should start your fast with repentance. And here's the good news. He's faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That is a promise. That is a truth. But humility says, God, I, this is where I'm at. And I need your help. I need you to take this from me. Fifth, and this really bleeds right into that, fasting gives us a greater awareness of the presence of God. When you 
when you intentionally cut things out of your life and you focus on building your spirit in a concentrated way, I'm telling you what, you walk into situations with just a totally different sense of God's spirit. You walk with a confidence. Jeremiah chapter 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's so sad that most people stop there. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Fasting is a way of seeking the Lord physically with all your heart. It's a, it's a way to accomplish this. You cut junk out of your life. The things that you watch, the things that you read, the things that you say during fasting week are just different. Why? Because you have a greater awareness of God's spirit and God's presence around you. You're putting to death, as Paul says, your earthly nature. You're killing your flesh, perhaps you could say. And at the same time, you're feeding your spirit, giving life to your spirit. And, and so when you set it apart that time and you cut things away, at the same time you're pursuing the things of God, you'll be more in tune with God. How many of us need to be more in tune with God? Every single one of us need to be more in tune with God. This isn't a way to like jumpstart that. Some of my favorite times are Wednesday night worship during fasting week because there's just a greater sense of God's presence. You get 100 plus people that have all been calling on God, that have intentionally been pursuing him, and then we all land in the same room after three days of fasting and we're just here to worship and pray. Let me tell you something. If Wednesday night isn't part of your regular schedule, this would be the perfect week to start it. God's presence will be here in a profound way on Wednesday night. Sixth, protection. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat is up against two armies. He's alarmed, obviously, and he resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. This is where we get the church corporate fast call. I am proclaiming a fast for this week for this body. In verse 15, he gets the answer from the Lord. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God. Some of you need to know that. You're faced with a battle and you need to know that the battle is not yours, but it's God's. You do need to face it. Go out and face it tomorrow, but the Lord will be with you. When you fast and pray in the midst of a battle, um, God has a way of sweeping in with a divine protection, a hedge of protection. You see this in Ezra chapter 8. We fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. When you fast, you can bring about a divine protection to your situation. It's the same context of humbling your soul. When you're fasting, 
in times where you need divine protection, you're acknowledging that you have no control over the situation. And God is the one who does, and you recognize that you need him, you humbly ask, and you physically show that humility when you fast and pray. On your own, you can do nothing. My pastor in Springfield often says, hey, if we pray, anything. But if you don't pray, then you're pretty much on your own. That's not who we're called to be. Seventh, healing. Then the light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. There's something to be said. This is practically speaking for a cleanse. Uh, Every year, my wife and I do a a 21-day cleanse. We don't go out to eat. Um, We buy organic. We just get rid of junk. You know what what blows my mind? Can you imagine what it takes to feed this nation? Isn't it? I mean, we're no longer an agrarian society here, so, so we all have different kinds of jobs. We've got a few people that, uh, that cultivate the land that are part of this congregation. But man, can you think about what has to go into feeding this nation? The average American consumes four pounds of chemical preservatives and additives every year. Four pounds. University of Indiana found that participants who participated in a three-week fast experienced the following three effects. Significant lowering of cholesterol, lowering of blood pressure, and relief from arthritis. In his book, Toxic Relief, Dr. Don Colbert writes this, fasting not only prevents sickness if done correctly, but also holds amazing health benefits for those who suffer illness and disease from cold and flu to heart disease. Fasting is a mighty key to healing the body. I mean, it just goes to show, if, you, if you're not eating McDonald's, if you're not eating fast food, if you're, if you're careful with what you're putting in your body, which, listen, if anybody needs to do that, it's Mr. Spence. Um, it just, logic would say, When you watch what you put in your body, uh, your body will benefit from that. Finally, fasting holds power in the spiritual realm. In Matthew chapter 17, in the midst of ministry, Jesus' disciples are trying to cast out a demon and they can't do it. And Jesus steps up and casts him out. And they're like, hey, what? We were able to do it here. What's wrong with this? And Jesus says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Let's call them strongholds. You have strongholds in your life. Prayer and fasting are critical. You've opened the door to something in your life that's gotten a foothold And you need spiritual power to overcome them and get the victory. Pornography, 
alcoholism, tobacco, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Listen, it doesn't have to be a a life-controlling chemical. It could be an attitude. It could be a past hurt. And you need the Lord's victory. And it's not going to come from a self-help book, and it's not going to come from counseling as much as it's going to come from spiritual power that is in the spiritual realm. If it's a spiritual problem, then you need a spiritual answer. Fasting and prayer is one of those answers. Isaiah chapter 58, is this not the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Fasting can give you additional power in the spiritual realm to overcome some of the things that so easily trap us and keep us in bondage. When you're fasting and you have that greater sense of God's presence in your life, you have, there's like this this additional power that you have to, to not do that, to not go there, to not say that, to not watch that. Why? Because you, you've, you've, you're building up your spirit. That's just an example of that. If you want to walk in, maybe you're not trying to overcome some. Praise God for that. But, but perhaps you're in a place where you know, spiritually you're stagnant or you feel like you plateaued. I mean, how many times have I heard somebody say, you know, I, I come to church, but you know, I just don't feel that anymore. Well, that's not wrong, but perhaps there's a dulling in your walk with the Lord or your spirit uh, needs a, a, a charge. Fasting can do that. But I will also say this, the worship team can come. There will be times in your life, in your walk with the Lord, where um, you'll sense God. I'm just challenging you, if you've done this before, for those that have never fasted. There will be times, I believe, as you start implementing this in your, in your walk with the Lord, where, where God's going to speak to your heart, and he's going to say, I, I need you to set some time apart. And, it, and if you just sit and wait for the pastor to call a corporate fast, then you'll miss some opportunities. In the year 2009, so a year after this episode that I shared with you before. Um, our, our church was starting the first satellite church and, and uh, the pastor called a 21-day Daniel fast. First time I'd ever heard of that. And I was really happy at my church. I wasn't planning to go to the satellite church. I was, I, I just did not feel a tug. And maybe some of you don't feel a tug in this. Um, and so I didn't. I did not uh, participate in that fast in August of 09. 
But when that came to an end in September, and it, it was probably the, that, that Sunday where everybody broke fast, the Lord spoke very, very clearly to my heart that he wanted me to fast. And it was, it was a choice, no doubt about it. And it wasn't, uh, okay, I'm going to go get beans and, and, you know, granola and do the day. No, it was a, no, there's some things in your life that I need you to get in order. And, and I said, okay. And so that Monday I started just a normal fast. I had no end. I didn't, I wasn't given an end. It wasn't a, Hey, you're going to do this five days, 10 days, whatever it was. I need you to fast. I'll tell you when to stop. And by Friday, I was released from that. And I, I had accomplished, I believe, what God had, had uh, intended for me for that week. The next weekend was women's conference. And uh, Sandy was there. And she had an altar experience where she said, God, whatever you want, wherever you want to take me, I'll go. That next Tuesday, I got a phone call from one of my clients up here in Wisconsin that said, hey, your office opened in Appleton. I don't know if you want to check and see if you want to come back. I didn't, even, I didn't even hang up the phone. I just clicked it and called my former manager. Ten days later, I was in Wisconsin. And in that month, October, Sandy had just dropped off Michael and Lauren at school. Um, Emily was cooking at this time. So she was, we had just found out we're going to have a third child and, and now we're going to be moving. And um, Sandy's in the driveway saying, Lord, why are you doing this? We love our, our house. We love our neighborhood. We love our school. We love our church. What, what's up with this? And he said, I'm sending you up there to be a part of a church plan. Because what you're seeing down here, I want to do up there. And hey, this is three weeks off of saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll do. So she couldn't say, well, no, she said, okay. That was all she needed. She, we had no idea what, but let me tell you something. Had I not set aside that time, had I not prepared my heart just a few weeks earlier, I believe had an impact on opening Sandy's heart at that altar that next weekend, it moved the hand of God. Now, being heading down there in the first place was the first time I'd ever fasted. Our friends who were associate pastors at the church up here, they said, hey, we're going to fast until Easter, just praying for Easter. And I'm, you know, it's not like I had never heard of fasting before. I just had never been, it had never occurred to me that I would do that. And in the moment, I'm like, I'm going to do that. And so Sandy and I joined them. It was just the four of us. That's when she learned to pray in front of people. It was super hot for her. But I was going through three things. I was going through a, a battle that I was in the, in the middle of, not by my choice, at church. I was in, the, in a, a conflict at work with an interpersonal relationship. And I had a job offer to make a change. And that Saturday, day 13, 
It was the day I, we, it was our last day of the fast. I went to breakfast with the pastor who was, I would say, the, the driving force to the, the church conflict. And I asked him, would you be willing to reach out to these families? And at that moment, at the table in Perkins in Oshkosh, he did it. And that just, it just released me from that tension. And then the deal at work had just miraculously vanished through the week. I'm driving home. My dad had called me the day before. I was unable to connect with him. He also knew all of the turmoil at church, and so I was calling him to just rejoice. And he said, hey, we had a, we had a meeting, a board meeting yesterday at the bank. We've decided to do an investment department. We want to know if you'd be willing to do it. I had a job offer up here. I had a good job here. And now I had another job offer to move to Missouri. And it's one of the only times that I can tell you that God, I believe with all my heart, God was in all three. And he allowed me to choose the desire of my heart, which is to go home. Now, what we experienced in those four and a half years set the table for Mill City Church. Had we not gone down there, we would, I would not be standing before you today, I believe. Listen, there are some things God wants to do in your life personally that I believe are going to, that this week will be a time where he's going to break through. <clears throat> I'd like our prayer teams to come back up here because I want to do something a little bit different today. Um, and if you could just separate male, female, because I want to ask if, if, um, if the Lord, if you're going, if you're in the midst of a trial, if you're needing a breakthrough spiritually, if you're needing to know the will of God, there's an understanding that you, you're missing a piece or you, you need some direction spiritually. You need favor in your life. There's something that hit today. And you want to start this week. You, you've made a decision just as I've talked today. I'm going to do this. Whatever way that is. Then I want to invite you to to start that by coming and, and praying with one of these individuals up here. Uh, this is going to be a powerful week. I know it. We usually do, and we actually announced a 21-day fast. And uh, we were having dinner with somebody a few weeks ago, and they shared with me that, uh, a spiritual marker where God met them during a fast. And they said, you know, it was, an, it was a fast. And, and sometimes when we do the, the Daniel fast or we do these partial fasts, we, we spend more time preparing than we do praying. And it just struck me. And I, I, was, I told Sandy a few days later, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a five-day fast. I'm asking you to consider doing a normal fast with me. You know your body. I'm not, I don't, you don't need to be put yourself in danger. 
And so the partial fast is on the table, certainly. But I'm just asking you to take this seriously. Join us as, a, as, as your pastors. Would you be willing to, to consecrate yourself this week? To subject yourself? I believe there's power that's going to happen this week. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for uh, this day. I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a game plan. And for this body, uh, this family here in this room today, you've spoken to some people. Maybe it's strongholds. Maybe there's some healing that needs to take place. And this can be a jump start. Perhaps there's relationships. There's somebody you've been praying for to come to know the Lord and and God's hand is going to move by your step of obedience and humility this week. Maybe it's a child, a, a son or a daughter, a parent. God, we need your favor. We need your wisdom. We need your understanding. For those that are in a crossroads right now, this is an opportunity that you're laying before them. For those that are in a stagnant place spiritually, I, I'm not sensing your presence, Lord, lately. I, I, I really need, This is an opportunity to reignite a fire. Lord, do miraculous work this week, I pray. If that's you and you want to start this by praying with somebody up here, uh, I'd like to invite you to do that uh, as we uh, sing this song together.